This is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd, and we have got a great episode for you today. Our guest today is Rashida Olayiwola. She is an amazing performer, improviser, writer, and person. Now, for someone who's been in the improv comedy scene in Chicago for a relatively short period of time, around four years, things are happening fast for her. She's a native Chicagoan. She grew up on the south and west side. She attended Northern Illinois University, go Huskies. She was a recipient of the NBC Universal Second City Bob Curry Fellowship, which is a huge honor. She's performed in shows at I.O., Annoyance, and The Second City, and we caught up with her before she was moving to L.A., where she's been selected for the CBS Diversity Showcase and Workshop. Another huge, huge, huge honor. She had to audition to get in. Big, big deal. We talked to her how she creates these incredible three-dimensional characters, and she shares with us one of her secrets. Also, mentoring how important it is for her to be mentored by other people like Katie Rich and Cecily Strong, and why it's so important for her to mentor other women as well. And she shares with us very honestly about what it was like for her to be the only African-American woman in an all-white cast. I just found her story to be so hopeful, and she's so filled with perseverance and and the thing that I really learned was like she's asking for help which is something as you know I really really struggle with so and this her story is not over her story is just beginning because she's going out to LA and great things are going to happen for her before we get to the good part the hope the inspiration even the educational part of this episode I I just want to bring you down for a second that's my whole thing you know I I I I break you down in, in my monologues here and then I let my guests lift you up that I've been doing that for the last five years. Um, this week, I don't know why I put myself through this, but um, I have been auditioning for commercials and TV and film in Chicago for the last 25 years. And when it comes to commercials, like I have not landed anything. I've landed a couple things, but nothing substantial. And, and I, I always joke, even if I booked a commercial tomorrow and I made $100,000 on it, I would still lose money on it for all the auditions and callbacks I've had over the years. I decided to do it because I love the casting people, uh, the casting office. They're just great, great, great people. And it was something, I think, that was in my wheelhouse. It was for a Christmas elf, a retired Christmas elf uh, that was uh, kind of disgruntled, I think. I I wish I could tell you what it was really about because I, I didn't really prepare. And I went in... And uh, I didn't really know the copy that well, and I kind of read it. And there was kind of this one moment before... I, I, if, 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 if the audition was only me coming in and talking to the, the casting people, I, I would have booked, booked 50 uh, national commercials easily. Uh, that's my strongest part. of The, uh, the strongest part of my, my audition is when I go in and talk to the casting people. Everything else from that point on is, goes downhill. But this one woman was an intern, and she was she was on the other side of the camera, and she was typing in the computer, and 
she, she, I asked her how she got into it, and she said, well, I'm an actor, and I just want to learn the other side. And she, she turned the question around to me, which always makes me uncomfortable, even though I interview people. She said, uh, how'd you get into it? And I said, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. Which the truth is I've been doing it for 25 years, probably longer. I just say, uh, and, and, and I just, I got this, I just felt sad. You know, I just felt sad, like, oh, my God, I've been doing this for 25 years and I don't really have anything to show for it. So, okay, enough about me. I think I brought you down enough. Now we're going to have Rashida bring you up. I mean, lift you up. Because her story is great. I mean, she is just... She's not only uh, just super talented and, you know, a performer, improviser, all of that. She's also just a really great, grounded person from Chicago. And she talks about that. So here it is. Please enjoy this. You're going to enjoy this. Here it is, for your listening pleasure, the Rashida Ola Yi Wola episode. Enjoy. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd, oh yeah. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd. Rashida, thank you so much for being our guest on Improv Nerd. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So you grew up on the south and west sides of Chicago. Yes, I did. You come from a huge family. Huge. That's why I always say uh, Chicago over everything because I was born in the west side and then born and bred south side, so I'm, I'm Chicago. But and when you say huge, how big of a family is it? I'm one of 60 grandchildren. My mom is one of 12 children. And then, so it's just this huge family. I grew up in a house full of people all the time. And you guys did talent shows, right? When it, you were younger? Yes. Uh, so what used to happen was on, I remember like it was yesterday, it would be Saturday nights before all the adults would go out, before like my mom and her sisters and brothers, whatever, like they would have these living room talent shows. And I really think they used to have them to wear us out so we can go to sleep. But like everyone would have their talent and like my sister, she can sing really well. Or my cousins, they would all gang up and they would do like a duet group of my other cousins, my, my boy cousins, they could dance really well. And me, I just used to, when it was my turn, I would imitate um, characters that I loved off of TV. So like in Living Color, I'd be Homie the Clown or I, I did like the best favor, Flavor Flav. I would imitate what what I thought was my talent. Like, and, and my aunt my aunt and aunties, and they would give me money after I would do it. So I'm like, okay. So of course, the next, the, by the next week, the next living room talent show, I was on point even better. Cause I'm like, I know if I do this good, she gonna give me a quarter or a dollar. So. So you got paid for doing this when you were really young. I was like five. Right. I was about four or five doing, being a jerk. I've always, acted a fool my whole life. Um, and then you also said your grandfather was a huge influence on you. In what way? Yeah, because he, I just know that um, I always worked hard. He always uh, provided for his family. And I remember, I remember when I was little, like him and my grandmother, my grandfather would always tell us, uh, he, he had this saying where he'd be like, I'm, I'm a rich man, I just don't have a lot of money. And you know, to a lot of people being rich, is about how much you have in monetary wealth. And a lot of people, uh, he put it as he's rich because he had family, he had people who believed in him. He he was, ne and I, I never, my grandfather and my grandparents were never broke. Like, 
we could ask them for something. We may not get it right away, but we would get it further down the line. But I think mostly I got a lot of wisdom from them, and that's how I had strived to live my life by, you know, even now I'm I'm broke, but I'm not, I'm a rich person. You know, I have friends. I mean, you mentioned crowdfunding earlier that I didn't even know about. So it's like- You're having a, You have a crowdfunding because you're going to LA. I, I am, and I did not know about that. Uh, that I was at work and I, after the news had come out that I, I had gotten casted for the CBS, the CBS, show, the CBS Diversity Showcase. The CBS Diversity Showcase in L.A. Which is a huge uh, deal. Yes, because you get picked up to write and perform or either or. And I had just came back from L.A. And when I came back from L.A., I jumped right back into work. I worked three jobs. And, I, and even more so, once I had agreed to the showcase, I was like, man, I got to work even more now. Because I had a little bit saved up, but not, you know, I, if I had to go out there in a shoebox, I was going to do it. But uh, I was at work one day, like a couple days after coming back, and I remember all these Facebook notifications. And I'm a person where I don't sit around on social media all day to each his own, but like I'll post something, leave it back out, you know, and I start getting all these notifications. And I'm like, did I post a really good status or what's going on? And it was uh, one of the most beautiful people I know, Heather Winner. She's uh, my manager at uh, the Second City. She's actually my boss, and she's just, I call her my life coach because she's always just giving wonderful advice. And you work in the box office now? I work in the box office. That's one of my jobs. And then I'm the assistant to the director of alumni relations and philanthropic programming. That's Heather Winner. She's that director. Mm -hmm. And I'm her assistant, and I had just seen this crowdfunding thing with all this money from people, just people I knew, people I didn't know. And I'm like, who did this? And then it said, created by Heather Winner. And just, it was beautiful. And of course I teared up and everything. Cause I'm just like, well, why does she do this? And she's just like, man, we just, we gotta get you ready to go. Like people believe in you, you've done so much for the city for, I don't know, it was, it was real beautiful, but I didn't know that. And that's why when people ask me, I'm like, I don't know, but hey, do you know how if people that are listening to the podcast who want to support you and get you to Los Angeles <laughs> so you don't so you have some money, right? Um, how can they how can they uh, do that? Uh, it's called uh, Dream for Sheets. Mm -hmm. It's uh, on GoFundMe, and uh, I guess whatever your heart desires, um, go for it. I'm not gonna say no. Like I I'm I'm, I'm out there to represent in a positive way and. and make it happen so and what does that mean represent in a positive way for you for me just because I'm I don't know like I, I it's, it's bigger than me especially being I'm, I'm just a kid from Chicago I've come from communities where we get counted out a lot you know or or when you hear on the news when you hear about west side south side all you hear is bad things like and there's so many of us who are striving to be great. Even on a, a melancholy day like today, was I'm sure people know what happened with another person being gunned down. And it's like I carry all that with me because it's bigger than me. It's 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 bigger than just my talents. It's for everybody of everybody in general, and especially people of color, black women who are trying to do 
great things, but it gets overshadowed by all the negative things. So that's what I mean by go out there and represent the positive light because I have all these people who believe in me and I, it, it ain't even just about letting them down. It's about doing what I know I'm capable to do and doing it to the, the best that I can do it and always being the greatest version of myself, always, always being authentic, always being the Chicago born and bred over everything person that people know me to be, always being uh, the person that helping the youth know that they can do it too, you know, so all those things mean a lot to me and that's what I want people to know. And I'm, I always call myself, I'm a jerk, like not in a bad way. I, I like to entertain. I love to write. I love to uh, perform. That's what I love to do. And now that I'm getting this opportunity to do it on a bigger platform, why not? You know, that's what I mean by all those things. Now, your story is phenomenal because it starts, you're in Northern Illinois University. Mm -hmm. You have no idea, even though you grew up in Chicago. Yep. South side, west side. Mm -hmm. You have never heard of Second City. You don't even think Second City is a place. The Second City Touring Company comes and performs at, at, NIU. at NIU, and what happens? I didn't, we weren't even going to go. Like, a bunch of my friends was like, Second City. I'm like, let's go. They look, you know, the picture looked goofy. I'm like, whatever. And then they were, uh, how you know how they do in college. If you don't buy enough tickets, they'll give them out. And so they had reduced the tickets, so we went. And I was, I like, my friends were kind of just like, what is this? And I'm, like, busting up. I'm laughing. I'm like, these dudes are silly. They, these people are, are funny. And, and they, were, they were sitting next to me, and they was like, uh, that's what you do all the time. Like, and that's me. I, even, I laugh at stuff that I don't even think other people, they don't get it. In my head, I'm like, they just don't get it. But I, I thought it was hilarious. I didn't know what it was. And so uh, one day, I know during the holidays when I had came home, I went, I didn't know it was a place until... When you say a place, like an actual I, building. Yeah, I thought it was just like, that was just a group and that was their name. I didn't know it was like a touring company. I thought like, oh, it's just, just like how you have concerts where you're like, oh, Kanye West is coming in. I thought it was just like these people, they named themselves the Second City. I didn't know it was more to it. I, I had came home for the holidays and uh, I found out it was a place. So they had, I went and talked to some people in there. I think it was Julia Fernando. She worked there and she was like, you should go see a show. And I was still in college. I went to see the South Side of Heaven and it changed my life. How did it change your life? That show? Uh, well, first I remember the, um, it was a, uh, they were saying it was such a big deal because there were two, uh, it was the first time that two, uh, black men were on the stage at the same time there. And I was just like, what? Wait a minute. Okay. That was one of the things in, that had inspired me. And two, I had seen, I didn't know them at the time, but Katie Rich and Holly Laurent, they were just, Katie I knew right away was from Chicago when I saw her perform. She was just like sharp and witty and smart. Like I was just like, man, this girl, has gotten chops, and then Holly Laurent with the same thing. Then you had Edgar and Sam Richardson. Edgar Blackman and Sam Richardson. Yes, it was just, I mean, you had, uh, I think it was Tim Robinson, Tim mm -hmm. Mason. It was just incredible. And just to see, I 
saw how, I don't know, like from times before when I watched women on stage that I grew up watching, it would be certain, only certain characters that they would play. But with Katie and Holly, it was like they would do just straight out of the ballpark type characters, like they, like these uh, Joan Rowe type, you know? And I'm like, this is so funny. This is so good. It was so smart. And it changed me. It was like, man, I know that this is where I felt like I belonged. I felt like this is what I know I want to do. And, and mind you, I had already spent thousands of dollars in college. <laughs> And I, um, and I, from a family where I'm one, of, I'm a first generation. I was a first generation college student, so I was one of the first to even go. So it was a big deal to my parents and my grandparents. So I finished that, but I knew, like, I was like, after this, I'm a, I'm gonna do that. So, cause I, I didn't know improv had a name. I thought it was just go outside and play, like what my grandmother used to say. Go outside and play. Y'all make it too much noise, you know. So we go outside and play, but it had a name and everything started coming together. So you enroll at Second City, the A3 program, mm -hmm. and you end up, I believe, now this is according to Jay Suka, who uh -huh. was one of your early teachers, <laughs> that you were making up a level C class, all right? And uh, Jay was, is really, was really supportive of you, and he said to you, you're going to go places. <laughs> How important was Jay's encouragement at that point in your career? Jay Suko is my improv dad. He, I love that man so much. He's so great. Um, I remember that day. <laughs> What's so funny about Cause, it? Because I was supposed to make up a class, and I kept coming back. I was supposed to make up one class, and one, I was late. Uh, and when I came in, he was like, now he, you, you know, anybody who knows Jay knows he's always like, well, now, now you know what you got to do. You, you've got to make a song up. You've got to sing everybody a song. And I'm like, I can't sing, but I can rap, though. And he made me do this rap, and I just remember uh, just doing this rap. And then afterward, after that class, he was so amazing. I kept coming back. Which I, I think, like, it's not, I mean, you... You're not supposed to you do, do that. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got your own class. Yeah, yeah. But I, I kept coming back. Like, I was, I was just like, they're not going to say nothing. I made some great friends in there. And um, he didn't say anything. So and if Second City's finding out about this now, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I got, you know, I did slickly came every week. And he didn't mind it. And he helped me so much because he would always be like, you know you're not going to be here for, for long. And I'm just like, who says that to this level C student? Like, whatever. I never fed into that. I just was just kind of like, I'm having fun. This is so fun. And he's well, didn't he didn't he also say that, you know, you're not going to go to L.A.? He told me last year. He's like, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm seeing everything in my head play out. Last year when he laid it on me to, and mind you, Joe, Joe, Jay Suko, sorry, I called you Joe. Uh, he, he's not just like, oh, that's my teacher. It's like, I eat dinner with his family. I know his children. I love his wife. Like, he's a big part of me. And he, this is a guy where when I've been without, he's come right in. This is the guy when I went out to LA for the CBS callback, he was right there like, hey, yeah, we're going to get donuts. Like he's just that guy. And last year, that, uh, rewind back to 2015, 
I was really emotional about him leaving because everybody was leaving. And I'm like, is this a thing? Do people just come here and then they leave to L.A.? Like, is this the thing to do? And he's like, well, she's, you know, it's, you know what you need to do, right? You, you need to go. You're supposed you need to just go to L.A. And I was like, no, I'm not. You know, I'm Chicago. I'm. He told me last year, he's like, all right. He's like, I'll give you a year. And it's a year later, and I'm going to L.A., so. He also said uh, that you do, you do the most memorable characters. And he put you in the league <laughs> of, are you ready for this? Amy Sedaris, David Koechner, and Bill Cott. He says that you do uh, characters uh, that are b believable, very nuanced. They're not caricatures. For people that are listening to this podcast that want to do believable characters, what is your secret? My secret is I people watch everywhere I go. And growing up, I grew up with distinctive characters. Like my, my Uncle Scoochie, yes, that's his name. His name's Clifton, but I never knew his real name until I was like in high school. I'm like, that's your name? You got a name, Uncle Scoochie? And he's like, yeah, I got a name. What you mean? But he, I mean, he... Uh, is just this uncle. He worked at the plant. For he had a story already. He would all. He worked at this plant called Zenith, and I just remember he would come home and <laughs> he'd always have a story. These outrageous stories, and I would just sit there and listen to him. And so that became a character when I was in conservatory, where it was like this uncle who sits on his porch and he tells these. He's his solution to everything is a story. So can you give me a little sample of Uncle Scoochie? So Uncle Scoochie would be like, yeah, you know I worked down at the plant for about 45 years. You know what I'm saying? I'm the one that told everybody that at the plant that uh, that they, you know, Oscar Maya had didn't have a first name until I came. And he'd have the cigarette off his lip, hanging off his lip because that was Uncle Scoochie. Uncle Scoochie was the one that told me that he lost his finger in Vietnam. And then when I asked my grandma, she was like, he lost his finger because it got smashed in the door as a kid. And I'm just like, what? mind blown, you know? But I used all those pieces to develop my own characters. Or like, uh, I have a character called Mad Panther, and that just comes from the conscious side of me where it's like, it's literally this Black Panther who's upset at, you know, as, as, as being a, a black person in America, there's so many things every day that we are frustrated about. And it was just like, I want to know what a moment would look like if we were free and not, not even just free, but just able to be mad at the things that we really wanted to be mad about, not waking up to you know another person dead or uh, this is going on with us. But... I want to be mad at the fact that two of my favorite shows come on on the same day at the same time. Or I want to be mad at just some basic stuff. And so what would that character sound like? That character would be, I'm Sister Spike Lika, you know, from Chapter 3872 of the New Birth Black Panther Party. And I'm absolutely frustrated that Blackish and Empire is coming on at the same day at the same time next week. That's, that's a problem, my brother. Why is you that know? a problem? Because I want to watch both. <laughs> so she would be frustrated at the things that, you know, we want to be mad at those things. So that's, I, I would say, how I develop my characters come from, it comes from a real place. That's a real place for me. My uncle is a real place for me. Sister Spike Lika is a real place for me. I have a character, Lonely Coach, where she gets frustrated at her 
gym school kids and she just goes on a rant about her own self. And at the end of the day, it's like, all right, ladies. All right, ladies. You know we running the mile today. No excuses, no exceptions, all right? So everybody going to line up. What you mean? You on your period today. Ain't going to be none of that. You know, you, or you want to end up like me? Where the only thing you got to look forward to is rollerblading after school once the parking lot clears up? Or you want to you, uh, you be like me, huh? You want to go home to a lonely house? The only thing you got to look forward to is making that skillet lasagna that you watched on the tasty videos on Facebook? All right, ladies, we're going to line up today. You know, like, that character just comes from a real place. And then do you start with that and then exaggerate it? Like with your uncle, when you hear the story about, oh, he kind of made the Vietnam thing up. Now I have, I have license with this character. Everything he looks at, he kind of makes yeah, up. Yeah, it's exaggerated. And like, even with the, when I do the, the uncle, I, I always uh, pull... I use improv, I improv it because I'll grab a suggestion from the audience and that'll be the plant that he works at. And then it's just on from there. You exaggerating the points of, and I, I just keep his voice with me along with what from that real place. And there it is. And you know, when you're doing that, I'm picking up some pain in those characters. Some pain in those Some pain, things. yeah. Maybe it is. I, I mean... I don't know. Uh, Mad Panther, maybe. Because, you know, it's real out here. Uh, with Lonely Coach, I just had... A gym, there are gym teachers like that. that right. They do the most. It's like, come on. I had a coach who did that. It was like every little thing on the line. You'd be like, come on. Really? We didn't do nothing. But... Uh, well, she has a lonely life. She's going home she, and then she making skillet lasagna. Like, come on. Or uh, other stuff. The characters are one part of me, and then the other times I just I'm a goofball that just expresses myself. Like I, I'll talk about. I'll I'll say the things that some people won't. Or like, give me an example. Like, uh, you, I don't know if you follow me on Facebook, but nine times out of ten, it's on there. I'll just. Uh, It'll be my opinion, but also just like, don't you think this, like, tasty videos, don't you think that they should use more than just salt and pepper? They should use Lari's and garlic powder, too, because no one is just using salt and pepper. I know I'm not. I want, you should use other, other things, or like Oprah and Weight Watchers. Like, let's be real, she's the only person who can sit on a couch and sell Weight Watchers without any physical proof that it's working no one else can do that mm -hmm. like I, I got stuff like that that I think about and I'm like I'm gonna say it do you ever get people respond and give you shit for it I mean there's people who I don't really pay attention to honest honestly I really don't pay attention to likes and stuff like that but there are people who are just like oh that's funny and there are people who maybe they don't think it is that's fine uh but as far as like when I have my conscious moments because I'm never gonna not be who I am. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not a. I'm very consistent. So either I'm being a, a jerk, either I'm uh, trying to uplift somebody else. But either way, I'm always being consistent. I'm not a mean person. I'm not. You know, I don't talk about people like I don't find comedy in like putting down people. You have 
that, but I don't do that. So I'm pretty sure there's people who... You know, you talk a lot, I love this, about your authentic self or being who you are. How do you do that on stage? How do you tap into the, this is just who I am, take it or leave it? I think that, I think that comes a lot with owning up to who you are and always being the biggest version of yourself and also who you surround yourself with or who you watch. Like, the people I grew up watching and even just being where I'm from, from being where I'm from, I'm from Chicago. Like, we the city that works. We're the, we are authentic. Like, it's, we're the city that say, uh, say what you say what you mean and mean what you say, and the people who all the people who I, I've watched or that I've been mentored by, they always tell me that first, like be the biggest version of yourself or do you or even I'll never forget when I uh, after I met Katie Rich and after I met people like Cecily Strong or Lisa Beasley or all these people who have had an influence on me and. I would always tell Katie, I'd be like, man, you know, I want to be like you because I saw what she did. She she didn't just perform. She would crush it. She didn't just write. She would, man, it was amazing. And she would always be, no, you're going to be the best version of you. You're going you're gonna to do you, you know. I, she got the whole other stuff, but she's like, you're going to do be who you are. And that's, you know, you tap into who, who your real self is. Here's the thing that I've always struggled with. <clears throat> looking to the person to the right, looking to the person to the left, and not focusing on me. How do you put those blinders on and just go, I'm going to be the best me? I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. In I, what way? And, and what I mean by that is I'm not a Bible-pushing person. I'm not one of those people. Once again, to each his own. I love everybody, but at the same time, I'm not that person. You will drive yourself crazy doing that type of stuff. I never came into places like Second City, I.O., and all that type of stuff, looking at the people around me like, oh, I want to do that. I want. I, I, I really just, when you focus on your own garden, you'll see it blossom. But when you're looking over to the left, you're looking over to the right, you throw yourself off and, and you would literally frustrate yourself paying attention to all this other noise around you. When really, when you invest in, in you and you got some good people around you who are lifting you up, uh, ignoring negative energy. I'm really careful with all that stuff. Like, I really, I'm, a, I'm a pro at, nope, this is not good. It's got to go. So how do you this deal with negative people? Have you cut negative people out of your life? I try to help them first. Okay. And then, I, and then if it's, if because it, I never look down on anyone without helping them up. And if I can't do that, or if you, if it's just some people need to help themselves, then you gotta go. Like I can't have you around. Give me an example of negativity that you've seen. So, examples of it is like I know that was big in the community. I didn't know really what that was until I got deep into it, where it was like you have this community, these improv communities or whatever. And it, a lot goes on, a lot of gossip. You have a lot of people who, because it may not happen to them right now, that they'll throw shade at this person. And you just have to stay away from that. Like, I'm, I'm a person where I'm either going to shut it down or I'm, to, I'm so busy working on making myself better, I don't have time to look at it. And I know it's so hard. I know it's so hard, especially with what we do, 
uh, whether you're looking at the next person or what they have, or, oh, it wasn't me, or, oh, I didn't get that, or, oh, this so-and-so's got this, where you can get caught up in that. I, I'm too busy living, too. Like, I'm finding something with, whether if I'm not mentoring or if I'm not going out to enjoy the movie or enjoying my favorite show or visiting my family, those type of things keep me away from the negative stuff. You got to know when it's, if it's some gossip about people and it's not good things, I'm that person who's like, hey, y'all, all right, well, I'm finna go. I'm going to let y'all keep talking about who got what and who ain't going to get what. Am I like this perfect patty person? No, I'm not. I have fun. I I I don't know if I can swear on here. I, you can swear, yes. I talk shit like mm -hmm. the rest of them. But just when something's negative, those vibes, you got to know when it's time to say you got to choose you. You got to choose you over all that negative stuff. And when once I start choosing me more, it for the right, you know, things, that's when it was just like, okay, you getting it, even with how this whole CVS thing happened, I was working, just like, I wasn't worried about who got a boat, or who- Got a touring company. Who's got a touring company, or oh man, they got a stage and I did. I was too busy making what I was already doing better and, and going on showcases in Chicago and in New York and wherever I could do to be my, to be the, the best of myself, making sure that I wasn't getting caught up in those conversations of, hey, this person just got this, like, no. Or if I had, I, I've had, I have my moments, my grandmother would always say, I've had, I have moments where I was down, where I felt like, man, not me, but my grandma would always say, have your moment, but don't stay there. And I would have my little moment, get back up to it, and go do what I gotta do. I'll never forget when I, I had auditioned for a writing show. This was when I first came into Second City because everything was happening so quick. I've only been here three years. Everything was happening so quick and I remember um, I had did this writing program thing and they had to choose between me and this other person and the, the people actually told me, they were like, yeah, we're stick around. We want it's, and we know it's you and another person. So you auditioned, this Man, was an audition. Auditioned. It was yeah. my first one and I, yeah. I was like, okay. And it turned out that they sent me an email, it was like, we're still deciding. And then they sent me an email, it was like, oh, we're gonna go with the other person. I was like, okay. And I asked them, I said, what was it that I did that was not good enough? And they were just like, oh, you were wonderful, but you know, this, this, and this. And then I had saw that Katie Rich was having a, she was having this workshop. And I saw Holly Laurent was having one too. And I signed up for both. I had paid for both. It was over the winter break. And I was like, I'm gonna work on this stuff to make myself better. Cause I don't like how that no felt. What did they tell you? Do you remember? Yep. I remember Katie Rich sent me some notes and she was just like, um, like a, to like projection. And oh man, now she, I love her. She's like my big sister now, so she'll probably laugh at this, but she told me uh, to stay ready, to always be ready when I was improvising or get ready to perform. Cause I had a habit of leaning on the wall with my hands in my pocket. And she'd be like, if I see your hands in your pocket one more time, like uh, she'd be like, let the other person uh, give gifts and things like that. I mean, it was just, 
great advice where I hold dear to me and I just do that. Or, um, you know, when, when I see, like, I want to make sure that I'm always on top of my, my stuff. So, like, you got a, a great person by the name of Lisa Beasley. She was just on uh, ETC and uh, Second City. She's also a Bob Curry fellow. We, I'm Bob Curry, NBC Bob Curry fellow from 2015. She was 2014, the first class to actually do it. And I noticed how just, like, we would always talk in passing, but she was always just, like, on her stuff. And I remember asking her one day, because I'm the type of person where if I see that this person is good at this, why not ask for help? And I was like, can you help me with looking over this monologue for this audition? I know you're a Bob Curry fellow. Can you help me? And she was like, yeah, girl, I'll help you this and that. And we went and we spent hours and just she would listen. She would help me beat it out, things like that, till I got it just the way it needed to be. Went to Bob Curry, crushed it, got in. Then fast forward to... This summer, I'm like, Lisa, I need some help. Can't. Now we're good friends. Like, I babysit our baby. We kick it. We chill. Like, And I was like, I need to update my resume. I know you're really good at this. She's like, no problem. I, like, things like that. Just reaching out for those helps. Or when you see people reaching, don't be afraid. Because it's all ego thing, right? You have so many people who be caught up in that ego. I'm not going to ask for help. I want them to think I know it all. And I... <laughs> I don't know it all. I didn't. I There's somebody out there that was better than me or better at this. I want to be better too. Help me. Like, I'm I'm that person. I'm going to ask for some help or I'm going to, you know, if they're going to give me the help, I'm going to take it. Not everything, but what's best for me. And, and I love that about those people who have lifted me. You know, that's what I feel like it's about. And that, isn't that how the world should be? Like, if you can help somebody, help them, right? We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back in just one second after this. Okay. And we're back. I want to talk about Bob Curry for just a second. The Bob NBC Second City Bob Curry Fellowship, mm -hmm. which is for diverse, diversity. Diversity, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, why is it important to have diversity programs like this? So that... People of all backgrounds, voices can be heard, um, especially in uh, predominantly white institutions or industries. Um, you can we can kind of not hear those things at time, and also it makes everything better. Like with everybody, with hearing it's the the world, the the industry is not just one way. So once you get everybody's experiences, um, backgrounds, you're going to have something great. And that's all uh, Bob Curry Fellowship was. It was, you know, taking these up-and-coming people of color or people from different backgrounds. And I, and I say that just because it's not just about the people of color. You have LGBT or you have, I know they, they have uh, some of the people who are white from different neighborhoods who or have been through certain experiences that nobody else has gone through to all be on this stage and just make magic happen. It's so great that how their stories and our experiences uh, come together, and it's just a great thing, which have led to other beautiful things where you've seen a lot of the stages around here in the area become more diverse. Um, do we need to do more still? There is a, a ways to go because it don't just stop with... Uh, in, <clears throat> with 
diversity can, it's about the work that goes behind it. It's not just, oh, look at that. Look, look, we're going to put uh, one black person or one Latino person in a lineup, and now it's diverse. No, that's not diversity. It's about the work that's going behind it. It's about educating, uh, not even just educating the community as well, but forcing the community to educate themselves about it. You know, this is 2016, and we've got a lot still going on. We got a lot of people still hurting. And it's time that uh, those who do have privileges already to start educating themselves. So what can we, what can the improv community and comedy community do to reach out? Force those people to want to know and not put it all on just the people of color. It's not our responsibility to do what we already have to do, live and get up and try to live our normal lives anyway and try to make our dreams happen and have to educate you about what's going on in the world and in this, like, you should be able, you're capable enough to do that yourself. Nobody had to educate me on uh, when, we'll rewind back to the beginning of this this uh, segment when you said, oh, I knew what the touring company was when it, once it came to my college, right? Then after that, what did I do? I got on that computer and said, what is this that's going on? And then when I came home from school, I went to that building. It's the same thing with issues that go on surrounding diversity or people of color or black people, or Latino people, or LGBT, or you know, you have the tools and the privileges to educate yourself. You should want to do that. And that's what I'm saying. That's how you, this industry, this community can force them to want to do that. Like, I don't know, we shouldn't be the ones. Um, that shouldn't all be on us that makes any sense yeah, yeah it does um now you are off we talked about this earlier to los angeles to the cbs diversity workshop and showcase which is a five-month program in la where you at the end put on like a second city style review yes and a lot of industry people come and see it mm -hmm. it's a stepping stone mm -hmm. how do you feel about leaving chicago and going there it's like one of the most <clears throat> beautiful, I don't want to say heartbreaking, but beautiful, bittersweet things ever. Because I'm born and bred here, so of course, this is where I wanted to make it, things like that. And who's say I'm not? Because I know for a fact I'm not like coming back right away. It's like I, I got things to do. I got, I'm going out there, and as Beyonce say, I'm not going out there to play. I'm going to slay some stuff. Does your drive in, in your confidence, does it come from your spirituality? I think it comes from that. It comes from the people I surround myself with. It comes from uh, my faith in other people. Like, I mentor kids. I come from, I come from the bottom, so I, don't, I know what the bottom feels like, so I don't want to go back there. It comes from me lifting other people. It comes from a number of things. It comes from me watching people like Katie Rich, like Cecily Strong, who, who's a good friend of mine and who invests in me as a person who believes in me. It comes from the Heather Winters. It comes from the Lisa. It comes from my mother. It comes from so many things. It comes back to my grandfather saying he's not, he's a rich person. He just don't have no money. He invested in his communities and to people. And my confidence comes in knowing what I'm capable of. 
why not me? When I came into that building, it was like, for real, me? Now I'm stepping out, and I'm like, why not me? I'm good enough. And how did that change? Just through just through being mentored by people and getting confidence in classes? It came through that and just work, the work ethic, always doing the work. Um, it came from things that I've, I've been through. Uh, it came from my environment. Like, In what way? Just seeing a lot of, uh, I don't know, always being counted out. It came from a lot of that too. And just Were you counted out as a kid? Younger? I mean, Southside's always counted out. Yeah. So, you know, just, I mean, from the people I look up to as well, I don't know, like, it's getting me in my feelings because, like, I, I just know that I can and that I will. Um, I know that. So this, this program mm -hmm. uh, gets people exposed to industry people. It does. You talked about living up to your potential. Mm -hmm. what, is it, what is your dream when you get out there? My dream is to is to use my voice and my talents and to not only make people laugh, but to make people think to make people believe, to make, to, to, especially being a black woman, like having my voice be heard is so important, especially right now and all, all the time, you know, um, just to, so that we could start to change and, and continue, like there's, I've, I've been seeing the fall lineup of all these new shows, like the one with Issa, Issa Rae, Insecure, I'm so inspired by that. Or even just like the Queen Sugars and the, uh, the ATL with uh, Donald Glover, um, the Get Down on Netflix. Like, all, it's this whole new wave of uh, new shows by black people and black women are making so much noise. And I'm just like, we got to continue that <clears throat> and letting them know that we have a voice and we know how to how to showcase it and 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 write. For not just ourselves but other people I was always I got I went through a lot when I was in like conservatory with other uh with I was where I was always the only black person so I guess to answer that, that question what is that like it's 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 a lot it's meaning, very meaning for it's a stress, white guy explain it to me it's, stru think, it's stressful it is um and I think this this will answer the question because I got in my feelings a little bit earlier when you said uh where does this confidence come from I mean Things like being the only black person in your conservative, and when I say black person, I was like the only person of color, like the only person in conservatories, in A through E uh, programs. Um, so when I got into things like Bob Curry was like, oh, this, bre this breath of fresh air where I wasn't singled out a lot or called Shaniqua all the time. Because <laughs> I, I don't know why white people love calling... I may well to be fair, we always throw up Becky, but um, but yeah, it that was Becky is for Becky white, white is girls. A, yeah, okay. but I would, you know, it was even on House Call, I was the only black person, and it, House Call, House Call is the house ensemble okay. for Second City, 
And I never let any of that stop me from being my best. But at the same time, it was it, it was hard being singled out all the time. How, or did, having, how did they single you out? Well, I remember times where you come in, you're told to bring in, in scripts and to be casted for things, you know, that you cast each other sure. and I would be the only one still sitting down because you, and then when I'm still sitting down, they'd be like, oh, well, we didn't know what it, to write for you. What do you mean you don't know how to write for me? Just write like for, I'm a normal person, uh, you know, or even, uh, I'll never forget a time where there was a scene being written. Someone wrote a scene about a birthday party. It was called birthday party or something. And, um, they're like, oh, yeah, well, this is a scene for everybody. And they're like, you're so-and-so, you're so-and-so, and you're this kid, you're this kid, and she's, you're adopted. And it was like, damn, why I got to be adopted? Why I can't be a regular kid? Or, and, you know, and it was things like that standing my ground, being like, no, I'm not going to do that. Because why can't I be normal? Or uh, having somebody bring, and always coming back to, I don't know, I just don't know how to write for you. And I heard that so much where I have uh, another person who has been very impactful to me, Ashley Nicole Black. She, came, she just a great article. Man, She's writing on Samantha amazing. B. What a great story right. she is. She's uh, very special to me. This is a person who, uh, she came from Second City as well, left early because she, I mean, she's amazing. And um, I spent some time out in New York with her when I was out there. And she would always tell me, I would tell her these things that I was, going through and I know I wasn't I know I was never just the only one it was so many like me but we are that's what we want to change that's what I want to do in LA to change things like that she was like she's right for yourself you write you write like some Hamilton type stuff you write like you running out of time she's and you write her and Shantara Jackson will always tell me that and Ashley was like you write you don't you don't pay that no mind she's like I know what it feels like I went through that but you write every day. You write how you you do the things that they act like they can't do. And so when I came into House Co. and it was time. Now, House Co. is improv or is it? House Co. House Co. starts off. It's both. It's, it's improv and it's sketch. Um, and it, you have to put together a Second City Style Review. It's a house ensemble. And when I came into that, I would always have two, three things to pitch at a time. When they tell you to, when they tell me to bring in one, I'm coming in there with no less than about five because I'm always working. I'm writing for it, not just for, of course, for myself, but how I vision everything for everybody. So it's like, they only told us to bring one. Yeah, that's cool, but I got five. So I just remember those things, and that's what got me through. And just the sister and brotherhood of the community of other people of color that, we push each other, um, and it was it, that's a beautiful thing that I love. Like I had, you know, there were nights to get me through the conservatories and get me through house code because I dealt with some other things in there as, as well. I dealt with racism from the cast members. Not not all not all of them. Okay. Just one mm -hmm. in particular. He knows who he is, and I I didn't come on your show to be negative, but. I think that my voice is something that people out there who are, are going through these things need to hear. Like I did deal with a, a cast member who was, I don't know if he was a bigot or racist or both, um, but. And how would it come out? I will never forget this. I was on stage for like our third show after the famous Second City Fire. 
Uh, and the suggestion was scarf. And uh, the rest of my cast members on House Go, they are lovely people. Um, mm -hmm. They know who they are. I don't have to do no name drops or nothing like that. But I remember the suggestion being scarf, and I stepped out, and the other guy stepped out, and he goes, get this angry black woman away from me. And I was just like, what? And I, I like in that moment, I froze because it was either I was going to choke him out or I was hoping someone else would edit. And it didn't. It didn't happen. And so I had to play through that scene. And so then you had some, them? So yeah, how did you play? How did you decide I was to just like, I just remember standing there and then one of the other cast members kind of played it off, but I'll never forget after that, I asked him why he said that because I'm not a mean person. You ask anybody, I'm not mean. I treat people how either I want it to be treated or better. And he couldn't even, I, I, I don't know. I, I. And that, that was just one of the many incidents where it was just like, these are the things that we're encountering out here, you know? And it's like, this has to change. So when you ask me what I go out there set to do, I'm set to, I want to change some things. You know, I want to, of course, it's, it's going to be funny. Of course, it's going to be great. But I also want to let my voice be heard and the voices and experiences of others who are like me or, you know, what is. Do you, when you think back, you know, uh, you're almost around 30. Did you ever think that at this age you would be going to Los Angeles to, to break into the film and TV business? You didn't even know what Second City was. No, I thought, I just, like I said, I was just a kid from Chicago that was like, that's cool, I want to do that. I know that's what I want to do. And now, as you get into it, you're like, man, I'm doing this. So... If you would have said, if you would ask me this last year, I would have said, yeah, I know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be great and that I'm going to work my hardest to be what I can be. But if you would have asked me this, the kid coming out of the college, I was just like, wherever the stars take me. <laughs> but now I'm like, I know what I want. I know what I'm set out to get. And I know to show other people that they can in any way that I can, I hopefully I to get in a position where I can help other people too. And Jay said something that he feels that you know you have a responsibility to your community to mm -hmm. open doors and inspire others. And that improv and sketch is an option for them. Mm -hmm. Now that I know that. How are you doing, how can you help them? Well, I'm mentor on the South Side. Right now I've been a mentor for uh, four years. And when I, first started it was so tough because I couldn't break through to these kids who are like myself they had been through a lot of stuff or you know you hear on the news all the time the violence is no secret or whatnot and are you south and west side Just I'm where, south side but I mean you're mentoring these kids in the south and west just south side of Chicago okay um and to break through to them I started using what I had learned from improv and sketch and that's how I started gaining their trust, meeting them where they are at. And that's what's so great about Jay Suko or the art, the, the art form of improv in general. You meet people where they at. You let them be who they are. And then you're able to 
make these people better. And that's what I do with my mentoring. And now I have kids who, four years, I had my first graduating class. And you're teaching them year. improv and sketch? I'm it? teaching them life skit, like okay. getting them through life. But I'm, I'm explaining how I used improv and sketch to break through to them, to let them know. Not only you could do what I do, but you can do anything you want to do. I have kids who are now in college who didn't, college, they thought it wasn't even an option for them. Or I have kids who are on scholarship for music. For I used to bring them to shows everywhere um, as well because exposure, they didn't know about these things. And now you wouldn't believe like what they're doing. Like I have kids who uh, I do feel like it can be used for the community to break a lot of barriers and things that we go through um, or dealing with pain because there's a lot of hurt down there that, you know, uh, a lot of people think they know, but they don't. There's also a lot of happiness. So it's like I know what my responsibility is to my communities, and I show that every day. So, and not and just to others who, uh, that's why I say in myself in a position where not only am I doing wonderful things, but I can also help somebody else. You know, you, you, you mentioned like Katie Rich and Cecily Strawn and all these people that have mentored you. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you mentor girls in CPS, Chicago mm -hmm. Public Schools. Yes. Why is this idea of mentoring so important? Because you want to always, you got to go back to when you were younger. And I mentor young women and young men. How, how old are we talking about? I'm, I get them when they're 14. They usually leave me when they're about 17, 18 years old. And that's one of the most critical times. Uh, and mentoring is so important, whether no matter where you are in life, because I think a lot of times uh, when we're adults, we feel like growth is a bad thing. You know, like, oh, gro like growth is a bad thing, but really growth is one of the most beautiful things. It, it never stops. You can what do you always. Mean growth? Can you explain? Like, I had a friend yesterday who was just like, man, I never really understood what you're talking about growing until like he allowed himself to go and venture off and do new things and be mentored by somebody who'd help him become better. And I'm like, that's the thing. You're never too old to grow. Like everybody's always slapping around this age thing or they're too old to do this or I have to get this done by this. And it's like, what are you doing to get there? What kind of guidance do you have? It's important to me that I, I call I hit up Katie, Cecily all the time. What do you say the, this, when you call Cecily or Katie? What do you say? Oh, like I'll ask them about things. Like I'll be like, you know, uh, there's this, there's uh, just, it could be about a show or something. And this right here, I'm, I'm trying to get it out of my shirt. He asked me to take it off. Like it says, go high. This is something Cecily gave me mm -hmm. when I was in L.A. But she, I was just thinking about when I was coming out there and she was like, you know, when you get out here, don't think that, you know, right away you have to be this, you know, that things are just going to start happening and give yourself time and do your best work. And she's like, always go high. That's something Michelle Obama said. But then she's like, you've been doing that same thing. It's always be yourself. And she's like, don't worry about what the next person is doing and whatever you need help with, I'll help you with that. You know, and by her help, meaning that uh, 
whether it's showcases, like when I got out there, there was a show happening at Second City Hollywood, and she's like, you should perform in that. And I, I was just out there for like two days, and I'm like, uh, she's like, no, you should do that. Why not? She's just gonna be good. And um, it was being directed by Eileen Monteleon, and it turned out to be great. And it's just, mentors always push you to, they push you to points that you don't even know are there sometimes. But what prevents us from getting mentors? Because that, to me, is the, it's, it's one, that's the hardest part, to I think it's help. ego. I think it's ego. Once you let go of thinking that you should already know some, something, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be, once you let that go. My, my fear is I'm bothering them. That's, that, look. You're talking to somebody who does not want to be bother anybody. Trust me. And I can run down a million stories to you how I'm like, I don't want to bother you. But I think real people will tell you that. Like, uh, Katie and Cecily will tell me that. But they're always like, no. I, and then you just kind of know. Like, you, I know when they're working. And, they, and these are two ladies who are on SNL, and they do all types of great things. They've got their own businesses, right, uh, in movies. But... Being genuine, genuinely approaching. I genuinely approached. Uh, how how did it happen with Cecily? It was like, oh, Wasn't I was doing. I, yeah, I was doing community work, and I would see we would like each other's stuff. Like I I knew she was I, I you know and mutual friends, and one day, my life coach Heather Winner was like, you know y'all got a lot in common. You should inbox her and just tell her like, you know that you think she's a great person. And I was like, I'm gonna do that. And I inboxed her and I was like, yo, I think you are awesome. I watch what you do. And I just wanted to say, keep doing what you're doing because people like me are watching you. And she reached back and was like, I almost sent you the same message like 10 times before. And it just started from there and it was genuine and organic. And at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm always truthful. I'm always like, if I need, you know, She's always truthful to me. We hang out and we friends at the end of the day. We have fun. We're not talking about, you know, what, I don't know, people ask me stuff like, what do you think, this and that? I'm like, we don't even talk about that. We talk about, we do friend stuff. And then when it's time to do uh, real stuff, she, I think she was mentoring me and she didn't even know it at first until I told her. Like, I was like, thank you for helping me with all these things. And she was like, I, I wish... You know, I had that. I she had that, and I know Katie Rich. She even always tells me when I mentor my kids on the south side. She always says she's don't forget to be the person to them that you wish you had when you were uh, going through things. You know, and that's what we, that's what we all strive to be. Cause end of the day, you just have to be genuine and be organic. People can sense that and they can feel that. And I'm a real person, like. That say what I mean, mean what I say, and you're gonna always get honesty, and uh, I'm always be authentic with you, and I always approach things with through love. So it was like if she, if she could have not replied back that day, but it was something that was just like, hey, and now it's great. And you also have a life coach. Yup, Heather Winner. She's awesome. How long have you worked with a life coach? I worked with Heather for since I walked through Second City, and I was like, man, this lady's badass. She was a house manager, and she, the way she handled stuff was so dope. But she would always tell me, 
she'd asked me what I wanted to do, and I was working as a host at Second City, and I remember people would go out late, and I never, I wanted to go home and write or do certain stuff, or I would have to be up early to mentor, and I couldn't do it. And a lot of them used to throw me some little, like, give me, you know, a hard time. They're like, Sheesh, won't you come out tonight? You never come out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would feel bad. And I remember one night I was in the night manager's office, and she was like, you know, you need to stop feeling bad about not going out with them. And I was like, I know I just feel so bad because, you know, you grow to have some friends at the places you work at. And she was like, you got other things that you want to do. And she's like, to each his own, but you can't feel bad about that no more. And she just has a lot of wisdom. Like, in the little things she would say would just be like, I would start listening. And she'd always tell me, like, one of the hardest things for people to do would be listen. And that's another thing with mentoring is listening. I do like do Katie, Cecily and these and Ashley and these great people give me great advice. Yeah, do I listen to all of it? I listen to like 90% of it. Like you can take from it what you want, but being like being mentored by these people, you have to be willing and open to listen. If you're not going to listen, then you what's the point? And these are people who've been through these things or um and are doing great things with themselves. And it wasn't always easy for them. They worked their butts off, you know? And it's the same thing with Heather Winner. She's just like such a wise person. She's a uh, open person. She's not real judgmental. Like she loves people. She's philanthropic. So she was always doing something with, like she does the letters to Santa uh, thing every year. And when even when she asked me to be her assistant, it was so cool because she saw it as a way for two things. She was like, I want you to be my assistant for two things. I'm like, what's that? She's like, one, your nights need to be free if you're going to be performing and stuff. And then she said, two, I like what you do with the community. You can help me get, you know. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. That's what mentors do. That's what, you know, when before I sent my writing submission out, to places like CBS and other um, things, a mentor like Katie Rich, of course she's gonna say, she's let me see that before you send it out because they wanna make sure you're on point too. They're not doing it for well, you. Especially if they recommend you. Hello? You know? And and I and they want did to Did you submit to SNL? No, I did not. Okay. No, I was I did the showcase at IO and that was great. And nothing but, came from it? Um the CBS thing people saw right. me. Right. And uh, like Agent. I mean, the SNL audition. I didn't do. I did the audition showcase okay. thing, but okay. um, I had diff. I didn't do like uh, how my. I didn't go to like that final level or nothing. Like I, I just did it because I had never done it before, and I had found out about it. I was like, oh, I'll do it, and they gave me a slot, so I did that. But what came from that was exposure of like different management companies, agents, things now like that. Now you have, now people are into I mean, Oh, yeah. yeah. See, and, and how are you dealing with that? I'm just being cool about it all. Because are you asking Cecily? You're asking Katie. How should I handle it? I'm going to be honest. I do ask Because there's sharks out there. I'm going to be there's honest sharks. with you. I'm going to be honest this. with you. I'm going to be honest with you, Jimmy. And I show you my phone right now. I do ask Katie and Cecily. I do ask, uh, I ask them. I ask them. I'm straight. They tell me, and they tell me, they be honest with me and they tell me straight up. I ask them, I ask people who have been through it. 
I asked uh, even, but it is a lot, cause that's how the, that's how the game is, right? Or I don't even, but that's how it is, and so I'm just being cool, and I'm, yeah, we'll see what happens. We've got to wrap this up, and we ask uh, the last question is always the same, and that is, what is one piece of advice would you give somebody starting an improv comedy today? Somebody starting an improv comedy today. I would tell them, um, as you come in and that feeling, whatever that feeling is that made you start, don't forget that feeling. Like, don't forget your why, your reason to why you started, whether it be just to have fun, whether it be to make you better at this one thing or whether it be to overcome a fear or if it's that you want to come in and you, you're that person that I'm going to make it to the big time and whatever. Don't ever lose that feeling and don't ever forget the reason why you started. Don't forget your why. Because me not forgetting my why is why I'm off to doing great things today and I'm never going to stop. Rashida, thank you so much for being our guest on Improv Nerd. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. I appreciate it. There you have it. Another great episode of Improv Nerd is in the can. And I could say it was a great episode because it's my podcast. And I, you know I have very high standards. And if I say something is great, it's great. So it, that was a great episode. And I want to thank my guest, Rashida Ola Wola. Uh, I hope I got it right, or someone's going to go into a huge shame spiral, and that will be me. Also, I want to thank my good friend, Jay Suko, for uh, setting this up and making this and getting Rashida as our guest. I really, really appreciate it. Also, Dan Schiffmacher, uh, my producer, he's the one who makes me so slick and so professional for putting this episode together, and for Mark Scholetic. For, putting, uh, for recording this episode. Uh, also, if you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning improv workshops and classes and intensives, The Artist Low Comedy, and to sign up for that Improv Nerd blog, go to my website, jimmycorain.com. You can check out me if you want. I, I love saying that. Just go and check me out on my website. Uh, in terms of social media, we know you know we're taking it over, right? We've been doing this for the last five years, taking over social media with Improv Nerd. So go to our Facebook page and like us. Follow us on Twitter, Improv underscore Nerd. And please, this YouTube channel is just exploding. Uh, and it's Improv Nerd Podcast, all one word on YouTube. And you can see clips from our live show. Also, we are so blessed to be part of the podcast collective known as feralaudio.com. And feralaudio.com is becoming bigger and bigger player in the whole podcast world. We got on on the ground floor. If you don't believe me, go to feralaudio.com and check out all the great comedic names on there, like Chelsea Peretti and Dan Harmon and uh, Dino and Andy and uh, Todd Berry and Jimmy Corain. I slipped my name in there. Check that out. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would, it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff. I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, 
I love having you fuck.